Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for basis opinion. Today is September 8th, 2022. This is episode 350. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. And this week's show, we're going to ask ourselves, is it, is it over? We'll also ask ourselves what it would take for things to get really serious. And we'll do that right after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Uh, Jake, what are you imbibing on this evening? All sorts of things, Scott Magnus. But I want to tell you about uh, my drink of the week, which is Astrodino of the Peabody Heights Brewing Company. This is their pale ale, and uh, it's quite delish. I'm a big fan. All right. So I'm in a I'm in a rut is the best way to describe it. I, I need help here, Jake, from you. Um. We have entered into September. We have September baseball going on. Um, yet we have a profuse amount of pumpkin beers, Oktoberfest beers out in the marketplace. But I'm having a really tough time moving on from the summer beers of the pale ales, the hazy IPAs. And I'm in this state now of not wanting to choose one or the other. And as so, I really haven't been drinking as much beer as I have in the past. Um, so, Jake, I have to ask the question uh, for a drink of the week. When is the appropriate time for me to transition over into fall seasonal beers? I'm so glad you asked. Never. Never? Never transfer over to fall seasonals. They're terrible. Oh, wow. Well, um, if you want to know uh, what Jake is drinking, and obviously it's not fall seasonal beers, you can follow him at untapped at Jake E4025. Uh, and we'll also give out uh, his email address later so you can send hate mail as well. Um, you can follow me at MEGN8606 on untapped. Um, and with that, um, let's go over the medical wing. Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. I'm going to check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. All right, Jake. So kicking us off, I think we've got to start with, you know, maybe some some good news, which is, you know, Grayson Rodriguez continues to, um, you know, do his rehab assignments. He started out at uh, single A Aberdeen. Uh, you actually went to that game where he started. I did. I watched him for about five minutes before he was pulled. Yep. Uh, and then uh, he had a rehab assignment this week in double A Bowie. Um, not great, but, you know, got out there through another two innings and, uh didn't break is the best way to put it. Scott, it's not just that he didn't break. He's in the best shape of his life. He is in the best shape of his, his life. His arm is the best he's ever felt. Frankly, his arm is as good as I've ever felt it. Yeah, I mean, if you look at some of the quotes that he came out with afterwards, you know, he basically just said, hey, I'm going to kind of open it up. We're going to really try, you know, a little bit harder next time. Um, and we'll get a little bit more into Grayson Rodriguez and some of those quotes a little bit later in the show. Um, but yeah, it's certainly encouraging I would is the best way to put it. Um you know, the other topic that I think we need to talk about from the pitching standpoint and, and less encouraging and less encouraging is a little bit of food poisoning slash food flu slash stomach ailments slash something. And it was obviously Jordan Lyles missing his start. This is very easy to explain. Yes. I do think it's a stomach issue mm -hmm. from eating all those innings. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So, yeah, if your belly fills up that much from eating that many innings, eventually you're going to get indigestion, especially being a Baltimore Oriole. 
Um, but really unfortunate timing, honestly. Yeah. Like could not have happened. At couldn't a worse have time. happened at a worse time. And it's not even just again who the Orioles were going against in the Blue Jays. It's just not good that it happened during the doubleheader. If it would have happened on you know Tuesday or Wednesday, I think we're looking at a completely different scenario for the entire series. Um, but the bullpen was in essence destroyed um, in the first two games. Um, so yeah, not great. Not great, Bob. Not great at all. Uh, other than that, I'll say I think the Orioles are knock on wood pr- pretty healthy at the moment. Yeah, I think overall people are doing okay. Is the best way to put it. And uh, we'll kind of just monitor and see anything else pops up. Um, with that, let's go to 280 characters or less this week on the Twitters. Um, we'll start it off. Um, you know, we here at Bird's Eye View like to recognize um, Orioles players, new and old. Um, and one of those old players that I think we need to recognize now is Trey Mancini. Uh, Trey Mancini is going to be coming back to Baltimore um, in a few weeks for the Houston Astros. Um, but Trey made an appearance on the Twitters, um, you know, giving some opinions, as it were. So this tweet comes from Full Seam Ahead. Um, you can follow them at Full Seam Ahead. They're a Astros podcast. By the way, it's always terrifying when players that you love start spouting opinions online absolutely this is i'm i'm actually terrified right now so let's see what trey mancini uh designated first baseman left field ndh um says um in this tweet the wave i can't stand the wave the wave i can't stand the wave jake trey mancini cannot stand the wave i'm so relieved right now uh first of all trey could not be more correct yep in his opinions um and secondly uh i share his hatred of the wave yeah i mean this is obviously an indication that you know if you support the wave you support cancer oh jeez <laughs> uh i am the baseball fun police and i say no wave you and i went separately to the yes. game on saturday yes and uh the wave started and i will say i will say after watching many an oriole game of pitiful attendance where the wave was a physical impossibility yes I mean, they they couldn't get a sprinkle going. Yep. When the house is full, I guess it's more okay. I guess is it or something? But I'm still I'm decidedly anti-wave. Yeah, I mean, I guess people do what you want to do, but I'm not going to be involved in this process. I'm pro Trey Mancini and anti-wave. Yeah, I'm philosophically not going to participate in the process of waving. <laughs> I want you to go ahead and take the next one. All right. We have a tweet that comes from Suspetta's Family Barbecue uh, at Suspetta's BBQ. Jorge Mateo holding back 500 pounds of MLB All-Star. Easy. Get this guy on the Ravens line. And it's, of course, a picture of him holding back every Blue Jay ever. Actually, I think it's uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. and, and Tasker Hernandez. Yes. Um, from the fracas that took place the other night. Uh, not pictured. And not part of the tweet, but we've got to talk about the fact that Rugnet Odor was right in the middle of all the things. And he was peacemaker uh, extraordinaire. Yes. When it started, yeah. I was like, oh, no, oh, this is a moment he's, made for Rugnet Odor. He's been waiting for he's this moment. <laughs> like, the only reason he signed with the AL East was for this moment. Uh, and I have to be honest, I was pleasantly surprised and a little disappointed. Yeah. I 
I don't think it's the last we've seen of this situation, honestly. Well, I, put we'll, that put we'll, that back in the can. We'll get, we're going to get to yeah, that. We're going to get to that. We're going to talk about this a little bit yeah. more. This is going to be an interesting conversation because, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, the next one comes from Zach Silver. Uh, you can follow him at Zach Silver. The Orioles announced that Saturday, September 24th, there will be a Thanks Brooks Day, where the club will recognize Brooks Robinson on the 45th anniversary of his retirement with a pregame ceremony. First 15,000 attendants, 15 plus, will receive a print of this Norman Rockwell painting, which, again, it's the famous Norman Rockwell painting, where you've got a kid kind of hanging over and Brooks is signing a baseball. Um, I think most folks have a picture of this already. Um, but, yeah, kind of cool um, is the best way to put it. Kind of an odd aspect just to kind of come out of the blue. Um, I, I really, really want this to be well attended. Yeah. For for everything that Brooks Robinson has meant to the Orioles, has meant to Baltimore, he, I mean, people are still naming their kid after this guy. People My dog are, is named after Brooks. Named, named <laughs> he is beloved. And while we are able to shower him with love and appreciation and thanks, I, I really hope the Baltimore fans will take advantage of that opportunity. You bothered by the timing of this? Like, is it, it seems, seems interesting. Like, it's just one of those, like, out of the blue events that we normally don't get to see that often. I would say the only thing that I'm disappointed about mm-hmm. is that I would like to have seen it be planned in a way that would be primed for good attendance. Mm-hmm. Right, for Brooks. Yeah. Not, not, you know, for putting money in the team's pocket no. with the gate Again, or Again, though, like if, that. if you, you constantly talk about this from a September basis, like, what better time to pack the stadium than in September with potentially competitive baseball? Absolutely. I, what, what I will say, though, and it's funny because you, I am on record at, as beating the attendance drum. Yeah. Right. Every year. Yeah. I, I do it. But I will say that, that this year I've, I've really backed off of that because I, I – and I've said this on Twitter repeatedly. The Orioles are, are reaping what they've sown sure. over the past you know four years of the rebuild, which is they've made no effort to win at the major league level. And that is a – that's an unpopular sure. uh, way of going business. And it costs them in the seats. And they knew it was going to happen. Yep. And so the fact that nobody's going to games is is something that they have earned, yeah. right? I would just love for this to not be colored by sure. that that kind of yeah. that kind of thing. I, I'll be interested to see what the attendance is. Um, and like I said, I think it's interesting that the Orioles went out and said, "Yep, we're going to do fifteen thousand, and it's not even just a limited aspect to get you know, you know, an aspect of like they're going to try to do this as an attendance draw, just like they did with you know the soccer jersey giveaway. Um, it'll be very interesting to see if this kind of promotion leverages itself well to basically pull in the fan. I don't Absolutely. know. It's a weird, it's an interesting one. And I love the normal Rockwell painting. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, like I said, I'm just, I'm more fascinated from the politics of the whole situation um, and just seeing how do Baltimore fans respond is the best way to put it. I but hope they respond well. Definitely go to that game. Like I said, that's a great giveaway, uh, honestly, in my opinion. All right. Our next tweet comes to us from Angels Top Plays. You can follow them at Plays Angels. Uh, why am I bringing up the Angels? Oh, I don't know. The tweet reads as follows. Shoei in a Ravens jersey just broke my heart. And that's right. It's a picture of Shoei Otani walking, I assume, to the ballpark wearing a black number eight legitimate L- Lamar Jackson 
jersey. So, Scotty, you know what this means. Otani to Baltimore confirmed. Coming to Baltimore, it's done. <laughs> done deal. Absolutely. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's cool. And like I said, it's a fun aspect to see. Um, it's nice to see game respect game. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's kind of cool. Um, but also, he's coming to Baltimore. Yeah, I'm really curious. I'm like, did Otani have one? Or did he just say, go get me somebody's? And they just, someone brought him one. Um, very interesting. Very interesting. All right. Well, with that, um, you know, you know, obviously it's been a really interesting week coming out of the Blue Jays series. We've got an off night tonight when we, me and Jake now are recording. Um, we wanted to reflect a little bit off that Blue Jays series and just talk about it and ask the question, is it over? All right, Scotty. Let's not beat around the bush. Are you new here? This is Bird's Eye View. All right, let's beat around the bush less than usual. Okay. The Orioles had the opportunity to leapfrog the Toronto Blue Jays. I think my math is correct there, right? They, they could have leapfrogged them because they were two and a half two games Two and a half back. games with four games. In with that four series. games. So, yeah, you could have leapfrogged them if you would have won um, all the games. So, you would have to sweep them right. in so order to leapfrog. The Orioles had the opportunity to leapfrog the Toronto Blue Jays and put themselves solidly, okay, put themselves at least momentarily into the AL wild card. Yeah. And instead, the series came to an end and they were out by four and a half games. Mm -hmm. Now, we've talked on the show all season about how we are delighted by the Orioles being, frankly, ahead of schedule with Mm -hmm. this rebuild and that we are thrilled that the team is doing so well. We we love watching the team play. We love the the way they've been playing. We love the the quality of the games and and the the culture of the team. But we've also said this that we don't really think that the team is a true contender, and that we thought that at some point the team would fall out of the race. Mm-hmm. And so, after watching what we watched in the Toronto series, by the way. 26, right? 26 games of the season left. Yep. Lots of them with with these Toronto Blue Jays. 10, right? Like 10? Uh, no, we only have eight? six left now. Okay, six, six left yep. of the Toronto Blue Jays. Right, it was 10 before the series started. So not an impossibility. No, not at all. Mathematically at all. No, you could win the rest of your games versus the Blue Jays and theoretically get a playoff spot. Blue, Blue Jays, uh, Rays, even the Seattle Mariners could have a epic disaster at the end of the season. They've been known to do that before in the past. So not over. Not at all. But I ask you, mm-hmm. is it over? Um, Should I queue up the Chad and Jeremy? I think it's over. Um, Honestly, like, I feel like it's, I don't know if it's quite been over, but I've been kind of reserving my mind of like, it's either the Blue Jays or the Orioles. I know people keep saying, like, well, this is what the Rays and this is what the Mariners did. But as soon as we lost the tiebreaker between the Rays, I was like, the Rays are not going to get caught. So then it just came to a question of, is it possible for us to potentially get into a situation against Toronto? And is it possible for us to, you know, you know, get in front of them somehow? Um, and I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I think that, yes, Toronto does have, a, I think, a harder schedule um, for the rest of the season um, than the Orioles. I'd have to look at those numbers again. Um but yeah, I just don't see it is the best way to put it. I think the Blue Jays with a four and a half game lead with what, 25 games left? It's just a little too much. Um, 
And, you know, I think the year the, the Blue Jays are going to finish, you know, at 88, 89, maybe 90 games of it. And the Orioles are going to finish it at, you know, 86 to 88. And it's just, it's going to be close, but not close enough is the best way to put it. This does not mean it's going to be worse than that, honestly. Like, it's going to be terrible. And I'm going to tell you why it's going to be terrible. Is it's going to be so 1989-ish all over again, where you're going to go into the last series and the Orioles are going to be two or three games back. And it's going to be like, if the Orioles win this series or sweep this series, they could get a playoff spot. And you know what's going to happen is the Orioles are going to lose one of those games and it's going to come crashing to the ground uh, for the end of the season. It's so 1989-ish. I'm so glad you said I mean, it, Alan it, and I talked about this in the last yeah, yeah, episode. Yeah, 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 I know. I know you did. And like I said, I've, I've been tweeting about it too. Of like, I keep looking at the parallels of 1989. Um, and honestly, like, I will say this much. Um, Matt Taylor, we're from 34. I don't know why you're not blogging about this, but get to work on it. Okay? Pull out your pen right, right now. Get to work. I know you got stuff that's important. Not this important, but not this important. Okay, so um, Matt Taylor, you're on notice. Um, but yeah, it's just so it's so eerily similar to 1989. It is the best way to put it. It's just it's creepy to me, honestly. Let me. I, I also think it's over, right? Yeah. I'm, look, and I'm not saying that I'm not supporting them. I'm not saying that I'm I'm not oh. still tuning into every game, hoping that they win. We we are watching every single game we're going to be going to a ton of games in september just to hope that a miracle occurs is the best way to yeah. put it um i love going and watching the games like i said and we were there on saturday um I, i'm watching probably more orioles baseball since the buckle upwards era um and i think most fans are honestly i think most fans are just like tuned in but if i look at the numbers and i look at the aspects i'm just like it's probably not going to happen I just don't want people to to think that our assessment is negativity, right? Because you say something that that is if not- the Mike Elias haters hear this podcast, they're going to be like, "Oh, so you guys are like Mike Elias, where you don't feel like this team could do it." And this is like, I'm not saying they couldn't do it. I'm saying that if I were to play this season out for a hundred times over the next twenty five games, um, I think their likelihood is less than five percent. But by the way, I think that when it comes to the Michael Elias haters, the uh, Brandon Hyde haters, the uh, you know everything like, like Orioles fans need to go back there to their Federalist Papers ten, yeah. right? Uh, anyway, going right back to the thing at hand. So yeah, I, I do think it's over. I hope not, mm-hmm. but I do. I want to go back to something you and I talked about. Something I said, um, and I, I want to go back and see if if. If you have a thought about it, when they, when we were talking about whether or not to bring up Henderson, mm-hmm. one of the things I said was, if you do that, you are putting at risk the playoff chase because you know exactly what you're going to get out of Ramon Urias, mm-hmm. good, or, good or bad, bad right, or indifferent. Yeah. You know what you're going to get out of Rugnet Odor. Mm-hmm. You know what you're going to get out of, you know, whatever, Kelvin Gutierrez. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're going to get out of a Kyle Stowers. You don't sure. know what you're going to get out of a Gunnar Henderson. And not everybody can be Adley. Yes. Right? Uh, I love that they're here. I love it. I love watching them. I, I love watching the project come together. I love the fact that they're getting major league meaningful, 
major league experience and high leverage, I think that's going to make him better ball players next year, right? Uh, I think that's great. I do wonder if it has an impact on the win loss record, right? I mean, yeah, we look at at the two balls that Gunnar Henderson misplayed at second base the other night, and I'm not saying that cost the Orioles the game. Sure, don't do not misunderstand me. Yep, but those happened, and I I wasn't upset. No, dude's playing out of position at a higher level. Dude's of playing out of position that he's and, ever played. And again, if we look at other defensive plays, he's made some impeccable defensive plays. But yes, um, there are going to be miscues. Is the best way to put it. And unfortunately, when the games are as tight as they are, you can't have miscues. It's the margin of error. Correct. That's exactly it. And I and I think to myself, the way the Orioles are constituted at the major league level right now, there's a wide variance. Of yes, margin of error that yeah. can happen. Absolutely, and I think we've seen that. Even if we're taking away defensive standpoint, I think the thing that most Orioles fans have seen is offensive performance-wise. There is a huge deviation. We talked about it earlier this season in terms of deviation, in terms of runs scored, where either you're doing a ton of runs or you're kind of like we scored two to three runs, and you know sometimes the two to three runs works. Um, but against a team like the Blue Jays, when you look up and down that lineup, you're like. You've got to score a minimum five runs in order to win this game. Like, if you don't score five runs, you're not going to win this game. Like, Brandon it, Hyde said it in the post game the other night when he was talking about bringing, I think it was Tate in a high leverage situation. Yep. And uh, then he laughed and he said, look at that lineup. Every situation is high leverage. You're exactly right. Yeah. I mean, to a certain regard, I mean, I, maybe we'll get into that a little bit later in, in terms of that, that decision because I thought it was a really interesting one. Um, but, um, yeah, like I said, it's just, you look at this team, and like I said, I think, honestly, bringing up Gunder Henderson, I think bringing up Stowers, um, I think putting D.L. Hall in the bullpen were all the right moves, both in terms of player development, but I also think those players are, in essence, better than the replacement-level players that they were replacing. Um, so I'm all for it. I think the team made themselves better as of September 1st. Um, and certainly, we've seen some rockiness, especially from D.L. Hall. Um but I think we have to do that is the best way to describe it and live with the lumps and basically say, if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't work out, we are really well positioned for April. Um, and I think everybody that is watching it now kind of gets that and kind of understands that even if we don't hit the playoffs this year, there is so much potential and promise for 2023 when the season starts in April and you know, it could turn out to be a disaster of a season once again. Um, just because it looks good on paper does not mean it works. Um, but it looks right is the, is the most clear. It looks really close. It's not. It's just not quite there um, in order to take you to being an exceptional team. You're an above average team at this moment. So what you're telling me? Yep. Right now, September eighth, two thousand twenty-two. Scott yep. Magnus on record. It's over. It's over. Like I said, it'll be fun. There'll be some really fun games. There'll be some competitive baseball. There's going to be some, you know, magical moments. Um, but the Orioles are not getting to the playoffs. I wish I could disagree with you. Yeah. If the Orioles came to me right now and said, hey, and they're going to be coming in the next few days. You know they're going to be coming for the, in the next few days. They're going to be coming asking for a non-refundable playoff deposit. Um, I'm going to be so hard pressed. I'll be like, there's no chance this happens. But what if it does? I really want to be there. So, of course, I'm going to be the idiot, a.k.a. Jake English. And I'll be like, you never know. You need to put the money down in order to make it happen. By the way, I'm just going to point out. Yeah. 
Was it last season that we were talking about getting rid of our season tickets? And I said, no, we've got to. We've no, that was to- this season. <laughs> that was this season. So I was like, do we really need them? Or is it a situation where we could go to like a flex plan and just kind of do that? And you're just like, no, we have season tickets because when they become playoff contenders again, we want to be able to get the playoffs. I'm like, that's fine. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I just want to ask that question to see from a flexibility standpoint. And then Paul McCartney got announced and you're just like, this is why we have season tickets. Not because of the playoffs, but for Paul McCartney tickets. You know, I'm going to tell you, uh, <laughs> Scott, the season may be over, but we've already won because Sir Paul Sir graced, Paul. The, graced the stadium. Yeah. Uh, okay. Just be careful, old British people. And she's <laughs> You are the worst human on the planet. All right. Uh, speaking of which, it, it's over. Uh, enjoy the rest of the season. And, and uh, seriously, we hope we're wrong, but just enjoy it. Uh, all good things. Instill a, a good play. Just not, not enough. Not enough. And with that, let's go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to go around the bases in the week that was Orioles baseball. All right, so starting at first base, um, I don't think we were the only folks that noticed this. Um, Blue Jays fans got extra spicy on Twitter um, during the O's Jays series. Muy caliente. Muy caliente. Um, very defensive, very aggressive. Um, taking a few cues from Orioles Twitter is the best way to put it. Um and you know it's gotten me thinking because again we've we've talked to other you know Jays fans in the past, Jays podcasts and stuff like that. Um, and there's always kind of been this aspect of like we're not the Yankees, we're not the Red Sox. So like, and the Rays are the Rays is the best way to put it. Even though the Rays are really good, it's the Rays. Um, but we've kind of been the the back end of the fan bases. Like everyone focuses on the Yankees and the they Red also Sox. Rans. Yeah, they also rans. Yeah, they also rans. And the question raises like. Is it possible, and what would it take for the Orioles and Jays to be a real rivalry? And certainly, if we go back to the '89 and even in the early, you know, 1990s, the Orioles and Jays were a rivalry. There's no doubt about it. Um, and then, you know, even if we go back and think about 2016, I wouldn't say it was a you know rivalry, but there was animosity between both those clubs. When when the Orioles are good, yeah, it tends to be because the Yankees and or the Red Sox are down yeah and when that happens it's the jays and the orioles that are competing sure for the for the at least and and the, and the rays but yeah it almost seems natural to me yeah that when one or both are good yeah the the conditions are right for the foam form uh fomenting of of hostilities yeah i think it's fermenting fomenting is, is it fomenting I was, I was looking for foment but you're right it's almost like you know, both fan bases are saying, this is our time now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, we don't get that many opportunities. We've been waiting so long. Don't get so in long. our way. So we've got to seize this day and basically take out our opportunity. Because next year, it's going to be the Red Sox and Yankees fans' opportunity once again. And this is our chance to win a world championship. Yeah. And it gets scrappy, is the best way to put it, between the fan bases. Is that possibly what we were seeing the other night uh, with uh, the Brian Baker incident? I, I think it's a, it's always interesting for the from the Blue Jays standpoint because again, 
you know, historically, if we look at the Blue Jays, um, and when I think back to like the Jose Bautista age, the Blue Jays have always been talky is the best way to describe it. And then it's not just with the Orioles. We go back to the Rangers, for example, but the Blue Jays were always... I'm, I'm sorry, what happened with the Rangers? Um, if I could do the Batman thing, kapow! This is an audio format, and I guarantee, I guarantee everyone, everyone knows has the, the same, same visual in their head. They're just like, "Yes, yeah, Scott just put a visual into my head," <laughs> and that's usually a frightening thing. But it in is. this case, in this case, it's appropriate, it's totally safe. Yeah. Um, I was talking about Burt Ward. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, like the the Blue Jays have always kind of been this like talkative, chippy bunch as it relates to a bunch of teams, um, and the Orioles certainly have seen that as well. I guess I just didn't expect it maybe so much this season. Um, you know, even thinking back to the matter of like Vlad Guerrero Jr. was a big supporter of Trey Mancini during the whole cancer aspect during the All-Star Games and stuff like that. So it's kind of weird that they are getting chippy. I mean, even if you think about, um, you know, Schneider basically putting out the bulletin board material earlier before the season st- series started where they just like, we're the better team. We deserve to win these these four games coming up, and it's just like, whoa! Like that's pretty cocky. Like even if you are the better team, it's interesting for a, a, a manager to be that blunt and that direct is the best way to put it. I haven't been impressed. Like this is going to sound terrible. I I haven't been that impressed with the poise of that team. Yeah, acting like they've been there. Yeah, and and like to. To listen to them whine about, d- don't get me wrong, the officiating was horrendous. Oh, no. Yeah, the the umpiring was 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 horrendous. But that was the team, the Blue Jays. Yep, that overcame it. Yes, that rose to the challenge and exceeded it. The Blue Jays had to beat the Orioles and the refs, and they did it. But whined all the way through it. That was the thing that got me, where it was like. You are the team that's up by four and a half games. You are the team that is winning these games in this series, and you were the one crying the loudest about all that kind of good stuff. Well, we even saw it last year, too, with, you know, Brandon Hyde yelling out at Robbie Ray when Robbie Ray was getting hit pretty well that one one game. And Robbie was always like, well, they're stealing signs from us. And Brandon's like, dude, pitch the effing ball. Like, what <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, Like, just because you're getting hit up tonight does not mean that we're doing anything nefarious. Like you just have a bad game. And it's like I said, it's a very weird situation. Cause I, I understand from a, from a blue Jay standpoint of that perspective of like, I don't want to miss my opportunity. Like if this is the chance for me to be competitive, I don't want to miss that brief window. And as an Orioles fan, I completely understand that. But at the same time, I also look at it and I'm like, Dude, don't be whiny. Like, don't be whiny asses about it at the same time. Um, and no offense to, you know, Toronto as well, but like, Toronto is not a small market. Like, Toronto is a top 10 market. So, this whole aspect where, like, well, Blue Jays and the Orioles are basically the same, it's like, no, you're not. Like, you're not even close. You have all of Canada. You specifically got rid of the Expos so you could have all of Canada. Um, so, this notion that, they're underdogs and they're this scrappy team and they got to kind of stand up for themselves. I'm sorry, but no, like they're not the Yankees and the Red Sox, but they're also not a small market team. Uh, I'm finding it more and more. 
uh, I'm finding myself more and more able to dislike them. I've never liked the Blue Jays ever. I mean, it's you go back to 89, you go back to early 90s. You obviously have the Cito Gaston incident as well. I just never have been a fan of the Blue Jays. Like, I can't think of a single Blue Jay that I've ever liked. I don't know. I think that's a little harsh. Uh, Give me a name. John Allred. I hate John Allred. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Joe Carter. I hate Joe Carter. Mother Teresa. Was, the, was, was she a Canadian? Maybe. But like even like Paul Molitor, when like he's on the Blue Jays, I'm like, nope, that's twin. Like he shouldn't be wearing a Blue Jays jersey. Like I got, I have no problems with uh Vlad Guerrero Jr. I don't have an issue with him yet. But I feel like I'm going to have an issue. Well, I don't think you have to, and here's why. Yeah. You know who I have a problem with? Who's that? Bobachette. For the mullet? Well, no. For the fact that he's oh, just destroying it, just tr- he's killing the Orioles. Yeah, I mean, it, I feel like the Orioles always go through the standpoint where like they have one player, like Randy Ezarena, like from the from the from the Rays. And who was the guy for uh, for the Yankees that had our numbers? Uh, Jim oh, Glebar yeah. Tarbos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Torres, yeah. So like, but again, like if you go back earlier this season, like the Orioles just destroyed Bo Bichette. So he was super hot that series. It's extremely frustrating and it's extremely annoying. But it happens. Like, you just move on from it. Um, and in 2012, it was Kawasaki. Yeah, so I'm not... Kawasaki's another great example of, like, you know, a guy that... I'll take it back, actually. Because I said I hate all Blue Jays players. Kawasaki may be one of the only Blue Jays players that I'm like, that dude gets it. Minoru Kawasaki always had our number. And it pissed me off. I still remember... But, but even though he had his always number, like, he would come on the post-game interviews and just discuss it, like, afterwards, and you're just like... All right, how can I be upset with that? Like, he's adorable, is the best way to put it. He was adorable. <laughs> All right. Blue Jays, you're on notice. Yeah. This is getting serious. Yeah. Here's the thing. I mean, we talk about this. We didn't even get the- to talk about the freaking parrot on the freaking elbow incarnation. Like, <laughs> But we talk about this with the Nats, right? The conditions are you both have to be good, and one or or the other or both has to win games that really hurt. Yeah. And... I think it's like I said, I think everything is going to transpire. We've got six more games left. I am not going to be shocked at all. We play our next three games in Toronto. There's going to be a dust up. There is going to be a fight in Toronto. No doubt about it. And guarantee you they're going to go after like Adley. And I guarantee they're going to throw it Adley. And as soon as they throw it Adley, Odor is going to destroy people. Like it's not even going to be close. Like it's going to be haymakers yeah 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 but i'll I'll tell you what i I do think it's either being gunner or it's going to be adley but i guarantee it's probably gonna be adley because they're gonna be like he can take it but it's gonna be he's the face he's gonna it's gonna be haymakers and honestly you know what i you would never see this happen from a manager standpoint Brenton hyde might throw haymakers too honestly and just be like we're doing this i guarantee rugnador is the guy you think but if it's adley it'll be trinos Mm, trinos is a good call that's actually a really good call. Torino's, honestly, some of the pitchers might go a little buck crazy on that too. But like I said, I I, I have a feeling that they're going to throw it Adley. Are you telling me the chaos is coming? Um, Blood is coming if that happens. Like, it's going to get ugly. Um, And then it's the question of, again, going back to 2016, if something happens on the field, does something happen in the stands again? 
Hmm. Because we've already seen it happen multiple times where the stands at Roger Center, um, they're great fans. Like I said, they're great Blue Jays fans. But then there's this extreme standpoint of like, we're going to treat it like a hockey game almost, and we're going to throw stuff onto the field. And it's just like, what the heck are you doing? Like, what are you thinking? Like, it's very, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. Now I'm, now I'm like nervous about the series. Thank you. I was worried about the outcome, and now I'm worried about the series yeah. itself. All right, let let's leave first base. Uh, we've asked what what would it take. Uh, you you say that it's uh, squid on the field. I do think it's gonna be squid on the field. I want to go to second base, and I want to talk about minor labor battles. Yeah, Scotty, the Major League Baseball Players Association will represent minor league baseball. Good. It's about time. It is about time. But, but, you and I, and I think the rest of the free world agree, minor league baseball players are absolutely uh, abused yes. by the system. Oh, there's no question. It's and and it is beyond pastime for them to get organized representation to better their lot. And I agree with that. And I'm curious about a couple of things. I'm curious about what specifically, at least at first, Major League Baseball Players Association will fight for. What happens when, not if, the PA uh, and the uh, and the, the uh, Major League Baseball can't come to an agreement. But let's just sidestep all of that for just a moment. Mm-hmm. Let's say the Players Association Players Association gets X percent of whatever they want. Sure. You know where that money's coming from. Oh, yeah. It's coming from you or in my pocket. No question. That that cost will be passed along to the consumer. So I think it's about time that the minor leaguers get what they deserve. Sure. But I think we need to be prepared for the fact that that's not going to be free. No, it's going to it's gonna cost money. And it's not a ton of money um, per team, but it's going to be a decent chunk it's going to be it's going to be 15 to 20 million per team honestly i think is going to be a fair aspect to basically raise minor league salaries up and i'm not talking about adley and i'm not talking about anything i'm talking about the journeymen's that are in double a triple a single a that are making you know fifteen thousand dollars on an annualized basis they did not sign a bonus of any significant value um and they are just trying to play is the best way to put it um and they need to be at out of poverty is the best way to put it. They need to be at preferably, and again, it's not a huge aspect. I'm, at, I'm just saying, like, they need to be at forty thousand dollars. Like, as simple as that. Like, going from we'll call it twelve thousand to forty thousand is a monumental step up in terms of ways of living. And, and I know that there are going to be people out there that say, well, you know, these are professional ball players and they're playing a child's game. They're people. They're people. These are human beings that are working. For a living, honestly, most of them are doing the things. This that is the they same, love. you know, asinine comments that were made back in the day in terms of females that were working in the workplace and being like, "She's just a secretary. She's just typing." Anybody could do that. Okay, then go find somebody that can do that, and you know, that is willing to take that kind of pay. Is the best way to put it. Like, you pay people for what they're worth, and obviously, from a minor league baseball standpoint. There are people that are willing to go and watch minor league baseball um, in fairly large attendance, basic. And then it also comes back to the standpoint of 
outside of just taking care of the players and getting them ready to be Major League Baseball players, you also want them to be around competitive aspects as well so that when players like Colton Kowser or Jackson Holiday are coming up for the minors, that they're in good environments and that they're against healthy competition so that they're fine-tuning their skills. So outside of just the peripheral players that are probably never going to make the majors, you also want to be doing it to create a more healthy competition for major league players that are going to be there in the future. All right. So it's going to cost more. It's going to cost more money. And it's going to cost you and me more. Yeah. Question for you. Yeah. Let me sidestep what they're going to ask for. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's it's money. Sure. It's money. It's money and and everything else that costs money. What happens if they can't come to an agreement? I think minor league baseball go on strike, right? Okay. I, I hear you. Minor league baseball players. Yeah. Represented by the MLBPA. Yep. Will go on strike. Yeah. Do you think there's any chance that spills over to major league players? So it'd be interesting to see when they do the negotiation, because it's the standpoint of like, is the negotiation going to take care of itself during the same CBA aspect for Major League Baseball, or does it have to go, go occur? Because I agree with you, as we've seen through other CBA negotiations, Major League Baseball players talk a big game about representing Minor League Baseball, but they never actually represent Minor League Baseball. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it is. The other aspect, too, is as we saw with the recent CBA, Major League Baseball players were representing themselves at contractual negotiations as well. Weird positioning for minor league baseball. Like minor league baseball players are in a potentially transitional role. Do you have minor league baseballs actually bargaining as part of the union? Or do you have a a representative like a Tony Clark? My, my main concern is that I'm, I'm worried about what, I'm worried about who cares about when minor league baseball players go on strike. When major league baseball players go on strike. I can tell you right now who's going to care. It costs major league baseball money. Yeah. When minor league players go on strike, does it really cost that much money? So I, I don't think it costs major league baseball that much money. But what I think it's going to cost is on this aspect, just like we saw during retraction of minor league baseball, there is a huge amount of compressional pressure put on major league baseball asking questions is this truly necessary because again it's impacting small political districts so i think we might see more congressional pressure and more lobbying pressure outside of just millionaires playing with millionaires is the best way to put it um i think that's the much more interesting standpoint of will the political theater be more representative with minor league baseball than we typically see with major league baseball it will be it will be fascinating on a number of levels. I mean, first of all, from a human I'm sure standpoint, that there'll be plenty of Republican uh, congressmen that are going to step in and say, "Hey, I want you know fair pay for minor league baseball players." Yes, I'm sure that will happen. I am interested in a human level in uh, seeing what I what I deem to be a wrong righted uh, in the way that that minor league baseball players again outside of the top crust sure. Have been treated, uh, boy. How how familiar does that sound? Yep. Um, but I, I'm also interested to see what that will mean, and and whether the appetite among the public, because I think the public opinion has changed, right? I think the public opinion has really shifted in favor of minor league baseball players. But I, I, I hear hasn't cost I, anybody. I hear this aspect. And I agree. It hasn't cost anything. And if we've learned everything from the past two years, 
there was a lot of other industries as well that have had to increase wages for minimum wage workers. Um, and a part of that aspect has also caused certain inflationary tendencies. And everyone has lost their gosh darn minds of having to pay for gas at, we'll call it $4 per gallon, as opposed to their happy-go-lucky two fifty per gallon um, going forward on these kind of inflationary tendencies. We are dangerously close to Baltimore, Baltimore on's territory, and Alan isn't even here. Alan's not even here. All right, let's go ahead and uh, round second and head into third base. And Scotty, I want to talk about the shell game. Yeah. we've In the past, we've called it the Norfolk Shuttle, but I'm going to call it the shell game. Yeah. Because the Baltimore Orioles, in the last, I mean, week plus, since since just since September 1st, have made a ton of roster moves. They've made 26 Ooh. roster moves. In September, which we would have never seen in previous years when you had a fully expanded out roster. Uh, but you're seeing players being optioned right now because of that, you know, narrowing of the roster crunch um, and just kind of saying, hey, we can't have all these players here, but we can only have certain ones. I, I don't want to go through every roster change, obviously, but I'm curious if there are any that, that have stuck out to you as being either interesting or impactful. And and I'll throw one out there. Sure. And it's uh, Vespi. Yes. Vespi got sent down. Vespi's super interesting to me. And it's the fifth time. Yes. Which means that if they bring him back up, he can't go back down again or else you've got to expose him to waivers. New, new in this CBA. Yes. Right? And it is exactly... Here's the here's where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. Right? That, that rule was put in place because they want to make sure that players don't get locked into, you know, the, the Norfolk shuttle, right? Mm-hmm. They want to make sure they have the opportunity to be on a major league club. But the thing is that Vespi's staying in the minors. Yeah. He's staying in the minors for the rest of the season. Yeah. Because he's at the magic number. Hmm. I'll be really curious to see if that gets addressed in the next CBA because it probably will not help guys like Vespi. Yeah, and it's weird because it's one of those aspects of, I actually remember, I think, going to Saturday night's game. Uh, Vespi comes in. They've got a whole introduction for Vespi. And I'm like, all right, like, I guess they're getting ready for Vespi to stick around and, like, get ready for next season and stuff like that. Nope. Nope. I'm like, and I saw the move and I'm like, okay, like, interesting. Like, really interesting. Um, but yeah, the Vespi move is, did they actually say he's down for the entire season? No, they haven't said that, but you know that they won't. I don't know. I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine with a guy like Vespi. I mean, they definitely burned Vespi. Like there was no way, like Vespi was going to be done for several days after his last outing because he pitched back to back to back. I don't think he's good enough to be. On the major league roster, in in what they hope will be a push for a wild card, and stay here. Okay, I, I understand what you're saying. Where like, yeah, maybe Vespi is not Dylan Tate. He is not Felix Batista and everything like that too. Now I'm pretty sure he's not Dylan, uh, uh, Felix Batista. But like, if we're looking at our 25 man, our, I can't even say 25 man roster. If we're looking at our roster in general, like, are we really saying that he's no better than like Louis Head? No, and I don't think Louis Head should be here either. Right. But that's what I'm saying is like, if Louis Head needs to be designated for assignment and you bring up Vespi, like the only reason you don't bring up Vespi is like you're, you're concerned that, hey, if we bring up Vespi again, we might have to option him again. I feel like that by the time you bring him back up again, because he's got to wait 10 days, you're looking at, what is it going to be, September 17th, give or take, somewhere in that ballpark. I, you only have two weeks then, like, 
you're not going to option them, right? You're just going to bury them in the bullpen. If you're if you are trying to make the playoffs, yeah, are you in a position where you can try to bury somebody in the bullpen? I think we've already heard from Michael Elias. We're not trying to make the playoffs this year. That's why we traded Trey Mancini away. You're going to get the people writing the emails again. <laughs> I just look at the the pitching staff and I look at all the people who are there, and I just I just look at it and I'm like. If I have to lose a, a, Ye- a Yenier Cano, for example, or I have to lose lose a, a Jake Reed, like uh, is that really that big of a deal to me? Um, I don't know. I agree with you. Like it'll be interesting, but like I I think that Nick Vespi comes up at the very end of the season. Um, I actually like Nick Vespi. I don't think Nick Vespi's bad. Yeah, no, no, me neither. And this is not me crapping on Vespi. I, I just it sounds like you're crapping on Nick Vespi. I have better people to be upset about. Okay, so I don't know. Like I said, I'm. Not anti Nick Vespi, although his stats for the season not great, but like I feel like he's better than maybe his stats show. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. We'll come back to Nick Vespi in the future. What what other transactions, if any, got your attention over the last week? So I don't know if it's quite um, over the last week, but it's one that I want to bring up. Um, Jesus Aguilar. Yeah. Like, I kind of get it that she wants someone to, like, do well against lefties. He exists because they thought that poorly of Tyler Nevin. Yeah. Like, it's just, and it's just, I don't know. I Like I said, I kind of get it. But at the same time, I look at it and I'm like, really? Like, that's what you wanted to use a roster spot on right now? It makes zero sense to me. Although, I, I will say... He's not a future player. Super nice guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Tyler Nevin did nothing for me. No, I agree. And and was not on the roster for any other reason other than the fact that somebody else had to be able to play first base. Right, right, right. So I don't begrudge Aguilar, but I'm a little surprised that there are no better options. I'm very blah on this one. Like, really, really blah. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't yeah. get it. Like, I understand they're doing platooning here. No, I, I think he's literally just like a guy that has to be here in case Mount Castle breaks his finger. Oh, I don't think that. I think they're I think they're specifically using him in a platoon situation. They're like, he is going to hit these pitchers really well. And that is the only reason they brought him. I think if Mount Castle broke his finger, they'd bring somebody up for the minors. Who are they going to bring up? Trey Mancini Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Do not bring up that name again. Not Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini Jr. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there, there's got to be someone that they could bring up from to play first base, but like Aguilar makes no sense to me. Uh, okay. And if that's really the case, we have no backup first baseman, then we need to sign Trey Mancini this offseason. <laughs> you're breaking my heart. You're breaking my heart. Um, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you. Uh, did you see uh, Reed pitch the other night? I did. Uh, Jake Reed. Yeah. Is that the weirdest arm delivery ever? No. It's really weird. It's weird, but it's not the weirdest arm. And it it's not even the, the weirdest arm delivery in Orioles history. I I look at it and I'm like, that guy's right arm is going to fall off of his body. It's a little wobbly. No, 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 no. It's not a little wobbly. It's a little wobbly. A little wobbly is me after about three or four Astrodinos. I was going to say it was you on the John Carroll stage at theater camp. But <laughs> <laughs> that too. But uh, it is a weird, weird delivery. It's a little different, but it's not the weirdest. Okay, what what's weirder than that? Uh, like Darren O'Day 
is a really weird delivery. Yeah, but that was like delightfully weird. Chad Bradshaw? Uh, Bradford. Oh, Bradford. Thank you. The, yeah. the player to be named yeah. later, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. But th- those are submarine guys. Yeah, I think that's much weirder. Okay. All right. I I literally, I watched it and I was so glad that the uh, the broadcast went back for it. Do you think it's that much different than like a Michael Givens? Yeah, I don't I do. know about that. Michael Givens was more like side extended army. side army, like casting out. Yeah, where this guy is like a the Ripken sidearm, basically a slingshot. No, no. Who was the guy? The claw, uh, Clay Meredith. That was his yeah. name. That pitching delivery looked exactly like Ripken's sidearm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is like a whip more than anything else. It 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 hurts me to watch it. Okay. And I throw with the other arm. So like when he when he started pitching, did you avert your son's eyes and say, "Don't pitch like that"? <laughs> the weird thing is. Uh, I hope I can get away with this. Uh, Henry has a former teammate mm-hmm. whose throwing delivery looks a lot like that. <sighs> that was the first thing I thought was that that person is going to lose his arm. And by that, I mean Jake Reed, if he keeps that up. So what we need to do is we need to have Javi Burns intercede here and teach him how to pitch. Jab needs to, to get a hold of him. I think he can really help him. Yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, a lot of weird, interesting moves um, kind of going forward. Um, but yeah, let's go to home plate. Let's talk about the offense. Um, we mentioned it briefly about kind of the ups and downs of the offense. Um, and the last time we talked about it, we talked about how the offense was a little flat. Um, and it seems like it's still the case. The Orioles are you know, scoring about 3.6 runs per game. That's below their season average of 4.2. And that's that's for the month of September. Right. I mean, so small sample size, small sample size. To a certain size. regard. I mean, it's, 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 it is an aspect where it's only been, you know, seven games. Um, but again, it's it's interesting kind of looking at it and just being like, why? Like, why is that occurring? And, you know, the Orioles did go against some really nice pitching in against the Blue Jays. I mean, the Blue Jays do have nice starting pitching. But it's interesting that we are seeing some... I'll call it deviations. And let's just like, again, nothing that is like a major contributor. Um, that is like, wow, like they're doing really good in this area here. You know, over the past 30 days, they're not bad. They're at 97 weighted runs created plus. Like I'd say that's perfectly acceptable for, for a team. It's just not quite where they need to be. Um, they need to be, you know, probably closer to 105, 110. Yeah. Can I stop you for a second? Yeah. I would like to I would like to examine expectations for a second. Sure, because you say ninety seven, not bad, not bad. I mean, like if is, it's, is if, not, the, if we think about the buckle up birds era, the Orioles were typically at like one hundred five, one ten. Right. So my question to you is: Is ninety seven not bad for a club that's trying to compete, or is ninety seven not bad for a team that has lost for five years and we're just delighted that they're here? Um, I actually don't think it's terrible and here's why like i'm looking at 30 the past 30 days toronto's at 103 Hmm. seattle's at 104 um mets are at 107 boston who's been gangbuster since the trade deadline in terms of their offense Mm -hmm. uh they just have had terrible pitching is at 111 um so like i i don't think it's terrible like i i think it, it i think it it's close and i think it comes back to that topic that i said before which is like the orioles are missing one really good bat in their lineup to owner take them over the edge. And the reason I'll bring this up is if we think back to August, Adley was on fire in August. No doubt about it. And, and Adley certainly is still doing okay at the plate, but 
he's not in fuego like he was in August. And I think unless you have a consistent batter in the lineup that is in fuego, you run into these issues is the best way to put it. Sure. Um, great example of that would be the New York Yankees, who over the past 30 days have a 72 weighted runs created plus, And that certainly shows up in their runs scored because everybody went cold in that lineup um, outside of Aaron Judge. Don't you dare say something bad about the New York Yankees. But like, I look at this and I look at lessons learned going into potentially next year. And I say to myself, the orders are close. Like you said, 97, is that quite enough? And my answer would be probably not, but you're not that far off. All right. I, I've been thinking about this. Yeah. And at some point in the off season, you and I are going to sit down. We're going to do prep. I, I'm going to, I'm going to research for mm-hmm. an episode. That's going to be weird. Yep. But I want us to think about what the Orioles need. Yep. And what they could potentially get. Yep. Right. Forgetting that, I don't. I don't want to go to that level of. We've detail. already covered this. Otani. He's in a Ravens jersey. <laughs> Make it happen. Ever. What What you and I have said is that the offense is pretty good. Pretty good. But not quite there for what we need. Yeah, it's a. I would give it a solid B minus B. Okay. Like yeah, how yeah. about that? But I think about it, and I look at the roster, Yep. and I say to myself, yep. self, there really aren't that many spots. Oh, there's tons of spots. That aren't spoken for in the regular lineup. So so yeah. hear me out on this. Yeah, I, 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 I'll hear you out on this one. But I, I've looked at this as well recently, and I've been thinking about it a lot. And like I said, I think we talked about this earlier in the season. I'm like, where is everybody going to play? I think I got it. Okay. Okay. Well, well. Let, let me let me lay it out, and then you can tell me where I'm wrong. Because sure. Because I'm ready. I, to, I'm ready to be wrong. And I, and I think this comes back down to like I feel like um I'm like Tom Hanks, and like I've seen like you know the light as it were in terms of this. Uh, and like Gunnar Henderson has been this revelation to me of like, all right, I now know where Gunnar needs to play. All right. So so you look at the regulars offensively. Yes. There are some that are underperforming. Yep. I think. There are some that are performing. Yep. And there are some that are overperforming. Yep. But the real question is, if the offense has got to get better, Yep. hopefully some of that is going to come from growth. Yep. And some of that's going to come from replacement. Yep. So there are some guys where there is no chance of replacement. Oh, absolutely. Adley. Adley's no chance. Not going to be replaced next year. Yep. Uh, Mountcastle. I would agree. Agree that Mountcastle, as much as I am not a huge Mountcastle fan, cannot be replaced. Right. He will not be replaced. Yes. Right. I would say that Henderson is on the club next year. Oh, no question. And can cannot will not be replaced. Correct. Okay. What do you think about Stowers? Is Stowers on the club next year? I think it's a really interesting scenario where I don't see a aspect where Stowers and Hayes are on the on the roster next year. Like it's either one one or the other. Okay. Hang on, hang on. Yeah. So you say there is a scenario in which Stowers is in the minors next year? Oh no 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 no! I think he makes the majors next year. But but does that get us where we need to? Oh, be? Oh, of course not. Yeah, yeah. No, I, of course not. I, I think that Stowers. Is a is a spot where you look at it and you say, we can stash him in the minors to continue to develop. You could. It's just a question of like, is he going to develop any more? And I don't think he's going to develop any more. I think it's going to be 
I think Stowers is going to be a one to two war player. Like it's going to be a good player. He's not going to be a great player. Um, and it's not going to push you over the edge. Okay. So take Stowers out of that. Yeah. That's three guys that we say no chance of them being replaced. And then I, I think there are a couple of guys, Scotty, where there's really no need to replace them. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, first and foremost, I would say Mullins. I I am pro Mullins. Like I don't want to touch Mullins right. at all. And I know people are like, maybe we trade him. I there's no way in my mind I'm trading Mullins. Like I know he's not great from an offensive standpoint. The defense completely changes with Mullins. The on base standpoint with stolen bases completely changes with Mullins. He's never going to have another six war season. But if you look at what he's done this year, he's going to have like a three and a half war yes. season. Like like exactly seriously exactly. like. I don't know what people are, are looking for. Like, if we give three to four war from Cedric Mullins going forward, hot dog. Like, this, this is a huge step back, and I love it. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah, this is great. So I so I say, and, and it sounds like you agree, no need to, to move him. Uh, I, I have no interest. To replace him. I have no interest in moving Mullins. Like, I know people are very much questioning that, but Mullins is, is one of my franchise players. Okay. Uh, not franchise player territory, but I say no need to replace Anthony Santander. Offensively. Offensively, no. Um, Santander is a weird standpoint. This comes back to the Hayes, Stowers, Santander, three Musketeers trio of where does everyone play? I still think Santander is better to play at DH than anywhere else going forward. I think he's my my new Trey Mancini. I, I agree with you. And I think oh. he needs to learn how to play first base. But we are... Yeah, from your as a backup. Is it, as yeah, a backup. Yeah. As a yeah. backup. Not as a permanent first baseman, but just emergency first baseman. To- totally agree. But having said that, I mean, we're talking about generating more offense. Where is it going to come from? It's not going to come from replacing him. No. I, in that same category, <laughs> honestly, I'm going to say Mateo is in the same group. Because he has got to be yep. on the field, and oh. I'll take whatever he gives us with Mate- his stick. Mateo absolutely has to be on the roster. Um, Period. Even if he's not a starter, he needs to be on the roster. Yeah, I I think he needs to be a starter. I think his defense... We'll get to that right, aspect. Right, I, right. I, I, I... Yes, I kind of agree, but I think this comes back to the aspect of where does he play. Okay. All right. Yeah. Which is a good question. Yeah. But I think I think he is going to be on the team. Yeah. We want to see his glove, and because of that, we're going to have to deal yeah. with his back. Yeah. He definitely is on my 26. Like, there's no question in my mind. He's a 26-man person. I want to see more Jorge Mateo. I want to see him bundled with Cedric Mullins, getting 30 stolen bases per year. Totes my goats. Totes my goats. Okay. I'm going to skip over people that are less likely to still be here. Yeah. I'm going to go down to people that are just gone. Yeah. Rogan Nidor. Rogan Yeah, gone. Gone. Yeah. Gone. Thanks for your service. Yeah. Lovely. Robinson Trinos. Gone. Uh who backs up Adley next year? Oh, there's plenty of people in the in the in the minors right now. Yeah, but do you need offense from your backup catcher? No, but I'm just saying, like, that's a person that's not gonna come back next year. Uh I'm not convinced. Trinos is terrible. But I don't think that uh I'm not convinced that that matters. I'm not convinced that oh, it I don't matters think it matters for the all- problem I'm trying to solve here, which is more runs. So here's the only minor issue to this is um as we have seen um with sunday lineups mm-hmm. when adley goes to the dh mm-hmm. and trinos is at the bottom not great so what you're telling me is that anthony santander needs to learn to catch uh yes 
That'd be awesome. We need, case. we need Ryan Flaherty to be the emergency catcher. Yeah. Okay. So I've skipped over basically the only spots in the lineup yep. that I see as replacement opportunities. Yep. I'm going to skip over the obvious one that we, we, we're going to shout about. Yep. And I'm going to go to Ramon Urias. Yep. Who we have talked about ad nauseum. Yep. Derek Arnold's going to hate this. I love him. I love Ramon Urias. And I want him to blossom into the kind of player that is going to I do too. earn time. I want to have him blossom into a player that earns time on another team. <laughs> but I but I don't think it's gonna happen. And I would love and I would love to have him as a as a utility guy. I don't see him as a utility guy. And so what I what I'm hearing then is that third base is the place where more runs are gonna come from. Yes. Or or Second base. Yep. Right. Or, or wherever Mateo is not. Well, that's the whole thing. It's like, where is Mateo going to play? Is he going to play on the bench? Or is he going to play in the field? And my opinion is, he plays in the field. And the question that comes down to is, all right, if he's going to play in the field, where does he best fit going forward? Especially with potential rule changes that are occurring as of tomorrow, where um, defensive shifts are not going to occur, probably as a starting, you know, next year. So you've got Mateo and Henderson. Yes. Some combination of third, short, or second. Yes. That means that in some you need infield an infielder. position, there has to be an upgrade from Ramon Urias. Right. So the question that you have internally is you've got Jordan Westberg. Potentially mm-hmm. can fit that role. I don't think it's enough. No, nor I. I, th- I think I, I like Jordan Westberg. No, me too. I just don't think it's enough. I also think that Jordan Westberg is the kind of guy that with Gunnar Henderson, yeah, you package in a deal to go get something for real. Oh, you would trade Gunnar Henderson? No, I trade trade Westberg. Oh yeah, yeah, I would trade Westberg and potentially somebody else. Yeah, that, yeah I completely because, agree. Because you have Henderson, you right. you trade. You know, if if you decide you want starting pitching, you go get it yeah. with a guy like Westberg and. Smokes. I mean, I. I don't want to get into the off season because, like I said, yeah, yeah. But 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 what we're saying, I think, is that you need another infielder. Infield is not going to be solved internally. No, we're going to have to go get it, and it's going to have to be an upgrade over Ramon Urias. Agree. Okay. Now here's the thing we've been dancing around. Yeah. Austin Hayes. Yeah. I love Austin Hayes. I love Austin Hayes too. I think we may need to upgrade. I agree. I agree. I don't think Austin Hayes is going to be what we need him to be. I mean, he is going to be. A one to two war player, defensively, he's good. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say he's great, but I would say he's good. But I need an upgrade. Is the best way to put it. I think, yeah, Austin Hayes would be a lock to stay on this team if Cedric Mullins hadn't come back from Double A. Agree, agree. But Cedric and Mullins, those two's are those two are buds. Oh, I know. But Cedric Mullins came back from Double A and has been mashing the ball. Austin Hayes has not been able to stay healthy for his entire career, has had a downturn the second half of the year, or is going to be playing competitive baseball. Someone's going to look at Austin Hayes and say, I can make something out of him. And you know what? I think that someone can make something out of him. I just don't think it's the right opportunity for him in the Baltimore Orioles. I also think the Orioles are at a point where if it's liftoff, they need a sure thing. And and what Austin Hayes is not is a sure thing. And I, so I, I keep holding down to the standpoint. I said this at, on Twitter recently. 
I think Hayes was going to the trade deadline. I think something fell through, and I think Hayes was on the move. I think someone saw Hayes and said, I see what he can do the first half of the season. I can turn him into a three-war player like Cedric Mullins. And whether that's true or not, um, I think I think Hayes was at that standpoint. So I think Hayes is definitely probably not right, not the right fit going forward for the future. Question is, is it Kyle, is it Stowers? Is it someone that picking up pick up a free agency going forward? But yes, that is an area where I would love to see someone out in left field that has a weighted runs created plus of one twenty, give or take. Um, Decent defense. I wouldn't say it has to be great defense because you got Cedric Mullins out there. Um, but yeah, like I said, if I'm looking at places for an offensive upgrade, I'm upgrading my one one spot in my outfield, and I'm upgrading one spot in my infield, and I think I'm set. Uh, I hate to say it, I, I think, and you know who I want. Yeah, I, and, and and it's one who everybody wants, and it's going to cost the most amount of money. But it makes a ton of sense to go back and rebuild the Astros. I mean, it does. It makes a ton of sense. Well, we could we could also get Otani. We could also get Judge if you really want. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's our trash for their treasure, right? Absolutely, that's the way this works. All right, we have we have saw, we have taken a David Ortiz lap around the bases. We did, uh, Scotty. Let's take a quick break. Uh, I, I hate to say it. There is a second week in a row of fantasy boss drama, and we've 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 got to get I, to the bottom. I heard about this, and I haven't even looked at the stats, but I'm not happy with the decisions that were made. There's a time for love and a time for this. Take a chance and face the way. All right, Scotty. So, uh, fantasy boss. Yeah, there was some intrigue. There was Alan Smith intrigue. Yeah, and, and I blame Alan for everything. I I was not happy uh, when Alan made the decision. So the category that was thrown out was dongs. Simple dongs. Simple dongs. We, we can't screw up dongs. Um, and the selection that was made on August twenty seventh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. by Alan Smith of who is going to have the most amount of dongs in a week period was Gunnar Henderson. With Gunnar Henderson not even being on the active roster. Not not yet there. Yeah. Alan Smith really wanted Gunnar Henderson. And, and wanted and, to you bring about him into existence through Fantasy Boss. And uh, I, I said, no, you know, I'm I'm not going to do Scott Dirty like that. You did say that. And I appreciate I, that. I, Glad I, you had my back. I stood up for you, Scotty. And yep. I said, no. That's not fair. That's not fair. That's not right. Jabby Burns has already taken advantage of Scott in, <laughs> in multiple iterations. And so I I said, you can have the entire the entire rookie class. Yep. You can have Gunner. Yep. You can have uh you can have Adley. Yep. You can have Stowers if you really want. Um, and I will take Ramon Urias. And again, this is the Dong Fest, right? It's all it's all Dongs. Yeah. Um and that was my undoing. That was your undoing. That was you got a little sloppy. That, the best I, was, I was a little, a little sloppy. So let's talk about it. Um, looking at that from the twenty seventh to to today, uh, even though there's no game today, Ramon Urias. I mean, he had a dong fest, four home runs. Oh, there you go. 
yeah, I felt really good about that. And uh, that was certainly more than Gunnar Henderson, the one. Uh, and more than Adley Rutschman. But not combined together. That's four home runs apiece, my friend. Yep. Four home runs apiece. This is a push. Yep. This is a straight up push. Yep. Uh, so yeah, it, it is a tie. And because Alan, uh, screwed this up so badly, Scotty, I'm just going to go ahead and say you get to pick. Yes. Uh, we're going to keep this right where it is at, at four three in your favor. And, uh, if you, if you would, sir, do your worst. All right. I'm going to do my worst here. Uh, so, uh, Jake, uh, I'm going to keep it nice and simple again. We're going back to the well. How many dongs in the upcoming week? Is this back-to-back dongs? Back-to-back dongs. Wow. This is almost dongs after dark. Very much dongs after dark. Dongs, dongs, dongs. And the dongs. Uh, who's going to have the most dongs? I, I, um, I'm not sure, to be okay. honest with you. Especially because the, the offense is a scuffling. Yep. Um, really interesting. Really interesting. When we look at the home run leaders from the last week. Yep. I mentioned Ramon Urias with four. Santander with four. Jorge Mateo with four. Hmm. Who would have guessed it? Uh, Mountcastle, four. Uh, I, I'm going to pick a little bit of chalk. Okay. So it's going to be one of those guys. I'm going to go Mountcastle. Okay. I, that was actually going to be my selection as well of Mountcastle seems like he's getting hot again, um, is the best way to put it. Um, so I thought that he was going to do, do pretty well there. So, um, as much as I would love to take Adley Rutschman, I just don't feel Adley Rutschman right now. Um, I think I'm going to have to take Anthony Santander. I like it. I like it. Uh, what you're saying is you're not going to give me the entire draft class. I am not giving you the, the entire draft class. What I'm trying to say is, um, God save Anthony Santander. That's true. Anthony Santander <laughs> deserves everything this week. Please protect him at all costs. God save the king. And with that, I think it's time to quickly stop talking and go to the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to go ahead and get started. I'm going to talk about the good, and we teased it out earlier this week, Scotty. I think Brandon Hyde's use of the bullpen on Tuesday in Tuesday night's win was good. Mm, yeah. Talk talk to me about how you felt, because this was the game where he pulled his starter yeah. with no outs in the fourth inning yeah. and went to one of his trusted... One of his High best. leverage guys in Dylan Tate to put out the fire in the fourth. And I got to be honest, when that happened, my eyebrows shot through the roof. Dude managed like it was a playoff game. And, and I loved it. Yeah. I, I loved it. This is one of my favorite moments of the Blue Jays series. And I saw it. I'm like, oh, boy. Like, 
this is either going to work really well or it's going to backfire immensely. And I loved it. Like I said, I wish we could have got a little bit more length from a few other pitchers. Um, wasn't a huge fan of the Felix Batista six out safe and though it worked really well. Um, loved going to Dylan Tate. Loved going to Dylan Tate at that moment. It was fascinating to me because one, I love the aggression from the manager. Yep. But two, every lever he pulled worked. Yeah. Right? Like the guys not only delivered but responded. You know, if that makes sense. Yep. We have we have constantly said, how can we possibly judge Brandon Hyde? You know, with with the crap he's had. This was a this was a moment in which I said, Oh, this game matters. And we, you and I talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's it's really like only a handful of games that the manager really like wins or loses. There's also been a really lot of interesting moves, even in terms of like pinch hitters and stuff like that mm-hmm. too. Um, not perfect, I will say that much, yeah. but um, Brandon High has been doing an interesting job managing his expanded roster. I would put Tuesday into the category of games that Hyde won. I would too. Hyde definitely won Tuesday's game. There's no doubt about that in my mind. I mean, certainly the players in the offense had to contribute. Sure, absolutely. But um, Hyde, Hyde took high leverage into situations and said, I'm going to put my best players out there in order to get the, through this. Even if you go back to the eighth inning where you had, you know, great players coming up, he's just like, it's Batista time. We're going to make this happen. Um, but yeah, Hyde did a great job on, on Tuesday. Um, there's no doubt about that in my mind. Um, he was really, really good. Um, my good is going to continue to go back to, to Adley Rutschman. I mean, Adley continues just to do really well at the plate. I mean, over the past seven days, um, a 217 weighted runs created plus 438 on base percentage. Um, he's doing really well is the best way to describe it. Um, and again, we're starting to see that long ball pop out every so often. Um, I would love to see it in more critical situations as opposed to more statistically, you know, st- statistically aspect. There's the one home run at the end of the game. I was just like, that's nice that Adley got to pad his stats, but it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, Adley is still really good. And it's one of those matters when we talk about the the franchise, you look at Adley and I think it's funny because like, I remember I was talking about it earlier in the season. I'm like, I can see Adley as like a four war player now. Um, Adley's already a four war player in a part season. Adley looks like a six war player, like easily every single season right now. Um, and I think we talked about it before, like, I'm not sure he's at Machado level. And that's what I said earlier in the season. Adley's at Machado level. Like, that's super impressive. Um, so yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how Adley continues to do. Um, in the weeks ahead and as he goes into 2023, but um, Adley is super impressive, is the best way to put it. He gets my good for the week. Uh, yes, cosign all of that. Let me go to bad. My bad this week is going to go to Kyle Stowers, and you know, I'm not crapping on the guy. It It's just, <clears throat> to me, it is a bummer that it's not going better, right? Uh, I've been really, <laughs> you just talked about it, I've been so impressed with Adley Rutschman. I've been overall pretty impressed with Gunnar Henderson, right? Uh, Kyle Stowers has not done what what is is exceptional, right? And in in uh comparison that looks bad. He's he had a 53 weighted runs created plus in limited appearances at uh you know, 11 plate appearances this this week. Um 
I think he only suffers through comparison. But this week we needed a, a spark, and it wasn't him. So I'm going to give him bad. Yeah. My bet's going to go to Austin Hayes, who continues to kind of flounder the plate. And it's not just floundering at the plate in terms of just not having good offensive production. Weird swings, like, through the thing. It's almost like he's chopping at it once again. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I'm not going to knock his defense whatsoever. But offensively at the plate, Austin Hayes comes up and you're just like, this isn't going to be a good at bat, is the best way to put it. Um, so Austin Hayes gets my bad just for plate approach, more so than actually offensive performance. Um, he's not doing great this week with a 21 rated run plus, but watch how he swings at the ball right now. Watch his kind of bat trajectory through the zone. It's all messed up right now. So he's my bad. All right. My ugly for this week is going to go to the double header with Toronto. That was an absolute gut punch. Yep. The, the double header, it felt like, games that the Orioles just weren't as competitive in. And that has not been a staple of this particular club. You know, that that's something that we we haven't been able to say very often about the Baltimore Orioles in 2022, that they've just been outclassed, right, uh, on a regular level. But it's the type of deal where, in a big moment, they shriveled. Mm-hmm. And there they were. The playoffs were there for the taking. And instead, they allowed the Blue Jays to take them. And yeah, there were two two more games in the series. But I'll tell you, as good as Tuesday felt, Monday was really the gut punch. And And I think that when we look back at the season, that will be the moment everybody points to and say, season ended there. Yeah, the 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 magical Cinderella run ended with two games on the same day where the Orioles just just got outclassed, yep. and that's really what it was in in games that ended three seven and four eight. They got outclassed, yeah, and that that was ugly. Yeah, so my ugly is going to come back to something similar along these lines, and we've talked about this whole kind of episode specifically of you know we're decreeing that the season. Is not over, as it were, but the playoffs, you know, hope is probably dead at this point. And, and on that aspect, but coming back to that ugly basis that I, I do hate, and it's a little bit different from what we're talking about, is at the end of that double header on Monday, you saw a lot of folks say, well, so much for this season. Go Ravens. It's time for Raven season. Oof. Hate. Hate that verbiage. I love the Ravens. I'm going to sit down on Sunday, watch the game. I hate this basis that there has to be baseball season and there has to be football season. And in essence, if I'm going to focus on football season, I've got to turn baseball season off and it has to be one or the other. Folks, for so long, this was a one sport town. You have two sports. Root actively for both teams as they're actively playing. Why does it have to be, I'm either a Ravens fan or a Reels fan? Be a Baltimore fan and just support both teams equally up until the very last drop. I'm going to be doing that. Like I said, I'm not expecting that the Orioles are going to you know, make it to um, the postseason. But you never know. Weirdness and magic has happened before. Um, but yeah, this whole notion where people are just like, well, at least it's Raven season. Hate, it's ugly to me. Get over it. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, with that, let's go ahead and blow the save. Jake, I'll let you take it away. 
Scotty, you hear it on every broadcast. Hear it on every broadcast. Enjoy the Orioles on the all-new Masson app. Let me ask you something. When was the last time you used the all-new Masson app? Um, a long time ago. Okay, I'll be honest. I, I use it. I do. I watch baseball on my phone uh, when I'm unable to uh, to be at the television, right? Mm-hmm. Use the all-new Mass app. This week, I was unable to use the all-new Mass app on multiple devices through some sort of technical problem yeah. where the required interface of... Did you have express written permission from MLB? No, I did not. Entering which cable package I had that enabled me to use the oh, all-new gotcha. Mass app was covered up by some sort of uh, some sort of screen that wouldn't load. Yeah. On multiple devices. Baltimore Orioles, your all new Masson app that you've advertised so hard this season failed me this week, and it makes me angry. Makes me angry. That should have been your ugly. I couldn't watch the Orioles while I while I did my fantasy football draft. That's yeah. really what it comes down to. And in classic bird's eye view style as well. I've got to also blow the save with one more additional thing because I don't think this was brought up as of last week. Um, but wanted to give a tip of the cap. Wanted to give a little congratulations out there to 2022 American Ultimate Disc League champion Charlie Hoppus for coaching the Empire Ultimate. Um, Charlie, we just wanted to say congratulations. Well deserved. I know this has been a journey for you. I know this has been a an aspect where you've made a lot of sacrifices um, and this has been a lot of dedication. You deserved that Gatorade bath that you got. Um, and uh, yeah, congratulations. I know you got hit up, up by a lot of people congratulating you. But um, from from us here at Bird's Eye View, we just wanted to say congratulations, bud. We're proud of you. The universe giving Charlie Hoppus good things is a universe that is right and just. And that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is get your podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple, Stitcher, Google Podcast, Spotify. And hey, if there's another one out there that we don't know about, hit us up. Creamsicle. Creamsicle. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact birdsofviewbaltimore.com that hate mail Scotty mentioned earlier in the show Jake at birdsofviewbaltimore.com you can also find us on social media we're all over the place we're on Instagram we're on Facebook we're on Snapchat we're on the ticks and the talks but the best place that you can find us is on Twitter where we tweet at birdseyeview B-A-L and with that Baltimore and beyond I will bid you all a fond adieu adieu good night Baltimore be safe out there let's go O's still here? It's over. Go home. Go.